Welcome to iFollow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 60, aka 5 from Retirement of i4o um the podcast is officially retiring at 65 as an fyi just kidding no we're not we're, we're gonna be around but um i do want to bring one thing to everybody's attention and if you would all all the live viewers turn your attention to the twitch stream uh we have spotify and here it is and i love it and i can't get enough of it <laughs> that's so cool um my two um favorite podcast guys urban and jeff are with me on the show Good morning. Good morning, Matt. The coffee's kicking in, and I'm I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Pretty <laughs> hype. That caffeine rush. Yeah, man. Look at this. There's so many episodes. I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, speaking of being excited, there's a lot to talk about today. As anybody watching the live stream can see from the title of the of the Twitch broadcast. Um, we have some information on Holocaust deniers, burning MacBooks, and farting unicorns. So <laughs> I guess without further ado, we'll jump straight into uh, the first topic. But um, so this is about the MacBooks. Um, there is the YouTuber, I think Dave2D was the one particularly mentioned in this uh, Mac Rumors article. They claim that the 15-inch macbook pro with the upgraded i9 chip is severely throttled due to thermal and thermal issues um it's pretty bad actually <laughs> like he it's i think they're in some benchmarks the new macbook has actually even performed worse than the 2017 macbook pros yeah um, yeah Irvin, you're a macbook user with a recent macbook what are your thoughts on this i am um and and when i heard that they were putting a a uh i9 in here i was like wait what how could you fit so they didn't change the, the dimensions of it it's still that super thin right chassis that they had in the old models and it's just it's just thermals right you can't put that much power in that little of a space so i was i was oh. skeptic from the get because like how's the i9 is going to perform um because that's a ridiculous chip to put in a laptop yeah any laptop uh for that matter not just that super thin one um so i'm not surprised and, and macbooks are known for doing this throttling um because apple sort of prefers you know quiet and and cool machines so they rather do that so they also we, like thin yes they also like very thin so internally in their software like they they do this on purpose to make it slower so it doesn't kick up the fans mm -hmm. um as much do they or, have fans? Yeah, oh, they do. <laughs> Read them, yeah. Yeah, know. they're meant to be super quiet on purpose. And when you have an i9 in there, I'd rather be super loud and actually working at the full speed as advertised. Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple of benchmarks that were run by this particular YouTuber, he was saying that um, he was sharing some Premiere Pro render times, which isn't a Mac exclusive and isn't exactly well optimized for running on a Mac. So that's <laughs> that's a fairly good benchmark. So they were, um, it, it was, it took 39 minutes for the 2018 MacBook Pro to render a video that the older model was able to render in just 35 minutes. Um, and it wasn't until he put the MacBook in the freezer that he saw actual improvements in its render time, which dropped it all the way down to 27 minutes. I would love to see that setup. Like, yeah. was the freezer door <laughs> open? Did he enter the freezer? 
<laughs> He's just sitting in there with his MacBook. Was this like one of those walk-in freezers at like a beer distributor, or is yeah. this the, you know? actual, his actual? Free, he, he showed it in his video. Um, <laughs> he, it's, he just emptied his freezer and just plopped the Mac, MacBook in there. Oh my goodness, that is glorious. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous that like, because this isn't something that the end user is gonna expect when they buy the latest gen MacBook. They're not gonna want something that's going to be thermally throttled just because they wanted to shove more cores into it without making it any bigger. And when you look at like gaming laptops, like you think like, or gaming or laptops with this kind of horsepower underneath the hood, you think of like thick, like big fan, like Asus and like Republic of Gamer, like monster computers. You don't think of like a, like an inch thick MacBook. Right. MacBook. Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. So uh, the one thing I don't like about his test that he used the Adobe Premiere, and if you ever used Adobe Premiere on a Mac, you know it's uh, a piece of crap. It's mm -hmm. not optimized at all, at all, and it runs super hot and it takes forever. Um, and if you want to get any video editing done, you need to use Final Cut on a MacBook. If you are a Premiere user, you have to get a Windows laptop. You can't use yeah. Uh, Premiere, because just for in terms of the performance when editing and also exporting, it, the Final Cut is just way more optimized. And this sort of throttling doesn't happen when you use Final Cut because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just more optimized and it doesn't max out the CPU. It uses a balance of both the GPU and the CPU, so it doesn't max out either of them. Um, yeah, one hundred percent, and it's still faster than Premiere. I think that was I think MKBHD did a test with Final Cut. Yeah, because he's a Final Cut user. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think well Final Cut's not just it's not optimized, which is not an excuse, but Yeah. I don't know. It's just not I uh, it's it, it's it's I, I think that for I, I don't think that power users want thin. Yeah, like, they I want they, I don't think that's something. I think that's a misread from Apple. Yeah. They well, they they've Apple. always been trying to do the create like the um, the thinnest X, whatever it might be, whatever device that there's. Oh, now it's the thinnest yeah. iPhone, thinnest laptop yeah. ever made. Mm -hmm. Like that's always been a a thing that they flash all the time. Yeah. And know. at some point, I think. You can only get so thin. Exactly. I think yeah. the next logical step here is to bundle this with a power drill and a drill bit and just let people go to town. Just ventilate yep. the heck out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> just like open it up. Oh, yeah. Or they should start selling uh, freezers with them. <laughs> instead, of, bundle. instead of like a MacBook case, you just get a freezer. Hey, man. Oh, like man. the screen sticks out of the top of it and you just slide the MacBook in and close it. Sounds like a heck of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy an Apple freezer. No, that's a cooler. <laughs> an Apple branded an Apple freezer. freezer. It doesn't yeah. freeze bananas, just apples. Yeah. Keeps your ice cream from throttling. Oh, man. It's so good. But um, something that isn't so good and transitioning away from Apple just a bit is Holocaust deniers on Facebook. Um, this topic's a little bit interesting um because it's the exact opposite of what i would have expected from any sane company to offer uh they're going to continue offering the platform to holocaust deniers uh infowars and publishers of hoaxes and 
under the assumption that they are sincere in their beliefs um which i think is very dangerous verbiage because how yeah. do you know that does, they're sincere like does it, i don't doesn't like matter it. like you can be sincere in outright hate and violence and that's not okay so yeah like so this... if i'm like sincerely a racist then facebook is my platform not like 4chan <laughs> or something it, that's like just how yeah. that works it I don't it opens the platform up i just i don't understand this approach and i think it's really dangerous especially on a platform where information is spread so easily and vastly yeah. um there are probably people out there who are misinformed that are spreading that misinformation to people yeah. who are susceptible to believing so, anything this quote is dangerous the one that uh, is like right in the first article he was saying that but at the end of the day i don't believe that our platform should take that down because i think there are things that different people get wrong i don't think they're intentionally getting it wrong it's like cool they're not exactly correct in the fact that the holocaust didn't happen but the fact that they're using that platform as a base to spread that information i think is dangerous and not right yeah like i mean it goes the implications that quote you learn when you're in like fourth grade or whatever it's like if you don't learn from history you're doomed to repeat it this mm -hmm. is a really big way to spread misinformation that can lead to that exact thing yeah yeah it's and like sure like you can't impugn it but it's hate speech yeah. it's speech that is direct it's an attack on somebody else's character or their beliefs by accusing or by like saying that something for example the holocaust with very like with a lot of empirical evidence that it did in fact happen um i think that is a dangerous precedent to say that they're just wrong and they don't. right and like are you gonna are they gonna put a red banner on their channel saying like hey this is wrong just so you know but it's here because we're accepting of everybody <laughs> Uh, yeah there's there's a at certain point yeah i understand that you don't want to be sort of like controlling the people's voice i understand mm -hmm. that but at, at a certain point and with certain topics i think they just have to like actually start removing these types of, of yeah. pages on, yeah. from their site because I mean, it doesn't make sense i think censorship in general is a real touchy topic especially yeah. on social media um but like finding that sweet spot of what's permissible and what's not is what's up for debate here. And I, I don't really, I mean, it's kind of akin to like, it's not for the same reasons, but it's akin to fake news where people are spreading things that just aren't true. And the whole problem with that is that it's misinforming the public and changing their opinion and bias towards that topic. Um, and I just think this one in particular is one that, shouldn't they shouldn't be okay with and like the, the the next quote like these quotes just keep getting better and better like he's like it's hard to impugn intent and to understand the intent i just think as abhorrent as some of those examples are i think the reality is also that i get things wrong when i speak publicly i'm sure you do i'm sure a lot of leaders and public figures we respect do too i just don't think that it was the right thing to say we're going to take someone off the platform even if they get things wrong even multiple times so like I understand that people get stuff wrong and fact checking happens and like for example i think it would be much more reasonable to get something wrong say like misquoting numbers from like the oil lobby or something than it would be to say that like 
the Holocaust never happened. Like to deny something or to say like, for example, to deny just like any kind of like to say Sandy Hook didn't happen stuff like that. Like those types of events, like that's just in, that's purely inflammatory. Yeah. I, it's said with no other reason than to be inflammatory. Like, I think if you're saying, all right, we're not going to remove when people use the wrong spelling of there. Like, I get that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yep, that's just you don't know any better. But with something like this, it's way too weighted. Mm -hmm. And they're saying like, OK, you have your page. And if you're not trying to organize harm against someone or attack someone, then you can put that content on your page. That's an attack yeah. <laughs> saying the Holocaust never happened, saying like 9-11 was an inside job, saying like all this stuff that is empirically wrong, like conspiracy theories aside, tinfoil hats off for the moment. Like that's not OK. I don't I don't think it's OK. Like, I, I don't like it. And the fact that they're using this platform to spread that information and the platform is allowing it to happen is dangerous. Granted, like. Sure, you can say, like, everybody needs to fact check, but I think Facebook has a responsibility. I think that as much as they want to just be a social media platform, they are now also a media platform, and I think they need to control what media gets put on the site. So many people get their information from Facebook nowadays. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Yep. And there's so many eyes on that website every single day. And mm. if you don't keep it, you know, together and, and share the right information, then people can go down the rabbit hole and follow. It's like, oh, wait, all these pages. It might be, it must be true that whatever thing didn't or did not happen did happen. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I don't he, know. He did at the, at the end, I don't know if you talked about this at the, he, they posted an update um, that he replied with the quote that our goal with fake news is not to prevent anyone from saying something untrue, but to stop fake news and misinformation from spreading across our services. Yeah. Like what? Like, yeah, yeah you don't want to prevent anyone from saying something untrue. But then also you want to stop fake news and misinformation from spreading. So if someone posts, I don't know, that's sort of. They like to, yeah, it's contradictory and yeah. it's kind of shooting each other, like both of those statements shoot each other in the foot. Like yeah. that if you can't have one without the other, you can't stop the spread of stuff without censoring information. You can't stop the spread of fake news because even if it doesn't spread on Facebook, if someone posts that, it could spread via word of mouth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the continuation of that quote is that if something spreading is rated false by fact checkers, it lose the vast majority of distribution in newsfeed. And if it posts cross the line into advocating for violence or hate against a particular group, it'd be removed. There are issues. These issues are very challenging, but I believe the often the best way to fight offensive bad speech is with good speech. So, like, what mm -hmm. is he going to do? Is he going to promote, like, factual posts to counter that? Well, I, or? No, I think, yeah, by, by the looks of it. So, in the news feed, the, your news feed is controlled by algorithms. And yeah. based on if it's marked as something not factual then the likelihood of you seeing it if some one of your friends shared a non-factual post will reduce greatly so that reduces the 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 likelihood of it spreading out so even if someone does share a post that is false majority of their friends won't see it so that it won't spread anymore yeah it's just dangerous because people get into this like groupthink on facebook yeah, because they're surrounded by people they want 
filtered by information they want mm -hmm. and they have access to basically any like subculture or like small group or something like that whereas like there's a quote that i saw on the internet a while ago where it was like the internet is both the greatest and worst place in the world because it gives you access to all the information you could ever want but it also forces you to interact with the people you would normally cross the street to avoid yeah <laughs> so like like it, it gives everybody a voice which is both a great thing and a terrible thing like it, there's been events organized i think like just there's been revolutions organized on twitter there's been like rallying events there's been great change that has come from the internet and communication on a scale that we never thought was imaginable 40 years ago mm -hmm. and on that same note now there are communities for people who have these radical beliefs and it's possible to recruit people in large enough numbers where it seems like a legitimate thing thus like muddying the the like the veil between fact and fiction yeah. essentially and it's dangerous and i think that if face this is just facebook being lazy like they're not they're refusing to help in curbing this and i think that this article and these quotes from Zuckerberg himself show that Facebook has taken a very like they're not taking it seriously it seems like to me and I think that's dangerous uh, especially with like the midterms coming up and some US elections that are about to happen I think we're going to see a ramp up in fake news yeah. and articles that are inflammatory towards either side not just coming from like it's the Russians but like going both ways I think uh, you're going to see stuff yeah, we've certainly so. seen that in recent history. So, for just for the sake of avoiding getting too political, I think that's just where it's headed. Yeah, just if you just look at the writing on the wall with this, but I don't know. Um, so all this, all this came about from a uh, podcast done by uh, Recode and Kara Swisher, and also within that same podcast, uh, Zuckerberg was quoted saying, "If someone gets fired for data abuse relating to the the Cambridge Analytica story, that was huge a couple months ago. If someone gets fired for data abuse, it should be me." That was quote by Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg during that interview. <laughs> um, some people might agree that he should he should uh, resign from the company as, as CEO. That was something uh, Odakta said on our podcast. Yep. Yeah. He was saying that Zuckerberg should step down. Should step down, and uh, I don't know. He might eat those last words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think honestly, I think yeah. that is where Facebook needs to go. I mean, look, like, look at last year, for example, on our pod, just our podcast alone, we like basically were pretty much all the way to setting up a day since Uber made a mistake counter until their CEO left, yeah. and then they picked up um, Dark. Kaspershari, I think his name was, and they haven't had that many issues since. They've been a normal company. <laughs> I mean, like, what if what if Zuckerberg was misinformed and didn't know any better when he said he should fire himself? Then can he, you know, take that back? I don't know if he can walk that back. By his standards, he can. Yeah, yeah. he could just label it as fake news on Facebook because he does control information essentially. The exact quote: he, he designed the platform. I designed the platform myself. So if someone should get fired, it should be me. Oh. So he didn't himself create the entire platform. I mean, right. yes, at the beginning, sure, but not now, not today. Yeah, yeah, he laid the foundation. He didn't. But like, I guess the foundation is still what runs it, right? right? So I think the core, the way that it was designed 
to sort of collect information and to give it out to other third parties via these apps. I guess mm -hmm. it's his doing, his original idea. Well, I mean, he's the CEO, so ultimately when stuff like this happens, the CEO is the sure. one who... I mean, yeah, he knows what goes on in this guy. I, I, I hope he knows what goes on in his, inside his company. Yeah, I would I think, hope so too, yeah. I think we should be reminded too, this is a guy who invented this platform as a hot or not platform, and it was essentially <laughs> Tinder, but with no swiping and no hookups afterwards. Mm -hmm. So just, just a reminder, a thing. Yeah, that's who this guy is. Yeah. <laughs> and now yeah. he's really rich. Maybe... Um, just to bring some conspiracy theories into this, maybe Facebook has begun developing an AI in the background to compete with Google and Apple and all these other companies. And maybe it accidentally became sentient and is using Mark Zuckerberg as a puppet in some larger scheme to control the world and to control the flow of events. No, it's <laughs> yeah, you, okay. hey, uh, Matt, you should start a Facebook group about that. I should. Yeah, spreading it. Yeah. Yeah. Zuckerberg is actually the pawn of a larger AI scheme to take over humanity. Are there, uh -huh. any, any, are there any mistakes in AI, Matt? I don't know. Maybe not. You don't know about this AI. <laughs> Nobody does. There's probably intent behind it, right? Zuckerberg probably. himself started this movement. Yeah. 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 He created it. He's like the Miles Dyson of <laughs> Facebook. The guy who created, um, what was it, Skynet, <laughs> the original programmer. He's like the Miles Dyson for it. He gave it a voice. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like he's, I really do think he's setting himself up for an eventual like do or die situation where he does have to step down though. Because I don't know how much more like, because he's basically just become an internet meme now. <laughs> just because of how ridiculous all of his statements have been and how he like constantly goes back and forth on things. Like he's like, we need to control fake news, but, but these guys are okay. The Holocaust deniers, they're fine. Like that's where the fake news is coming from. It's just weird that they draw the line there and they're so adamant. Like, no, this is cool. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how that benefits them and who, like, who are they going to get backlash from being like, no, you can't take that down. Yeah. Like, yeah. Their Alex job Jones? isn't to be a centrist. Their yeah. job isn't to like hang out in the middle and be like, I can't tell the difference. <laughs> it's to be like, it's to make a decision and to flag stuff as hate speech. Like I think um, even like Reddit has taken steps to remove hate groups and like blatantly false information. And that's Reddit. Yeah. Like Facebook is so much more prolific than Reddit. And Reddit's viewed as a place where it's kind of a cesspool sometimes in yeah. terms of its community. But the fact that Reddit has made more effort to remove false information and hate groups, I think, says something about the leadership of Facebook and the fact they don't take this very seriously, which they should, because this is the root cause of fake news. I'm just I want to see where this goes, like. I don't know. If, I don't think it's the thing that's going to fizzle out. Well, there's yeah. like, all right, he, he responded and that's good. Like, yeah. I, I yeah. don't know. That's, like, that's how like... You can, I don't know how you can force him to change his mind either. So it's, it's really a weird gray area. Yeah. That's like calling a carpenter in because you have a termite issue. It's like, 
Sure, it looks like it's like fix the spots that they destroyed. Don't hurt them. They have a place too. Everybody can get their message across. But yeah. just whenever they like take down some wood, just like replace it with a new yeah, one or they, something. They didn't like know. It's, they didn't know it was a house. They just wanted to eat. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know it was a house. Yeah. <laughs> they just want some food. I'm not trying to deny them what they want. Right. But yeah, it's it's like that. Like you you can't you can only mitigate it for so long before the problem gets bigger than before you let it get too big. I don't know. Well, we have a place on Facebook too, and it's not for hate group. It's just for our podcast. But um, I think we should move on just because I yeah. don't want to get this too political. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Google though, because there's some good news and some bad news that we have to talk about. Yeah. The good news being that, um, ironically, this came out of the FCC. So the FCC is set to pass a bill that would give individual companies access to fiber poles across the U.S which is a good thing for Google Fiber and a really good thing for competition. Um, it's called One Touch Make Ready, um, which sounds like a poorly translated porno title. <laughs> but but um, it would allow companies to add their cables themselves to the line instead of having to rely on cable consumers. <laughs> um, I'm excited for this personally, and the fact that it came from the FCC makes it even weirder. Yeah, one of the reasons that Google Fiber has stopped the expansion of their service is because they had trouble just trying to expand the fiber network, right? So they had to, they couldn't use any existing ones that were built previously by other companies. They had to lay their own fiber, which is expensive, mm -hmm. very expensive, and it wasn't fiscally viable, I guess, for Google to start to keep doing that. So they just stopped. So this would give them access to the fiber that's already been been laid by other companies which there's quite a bit there's been big investments made by other companies um to lay out fiber and a lot of it's not even used no yeah they like they they were paid i think the the cable companies were paid something in the line of like 10 billion dollars to rework the cable line and like none of that happened they yeah. just kind of kept the money and walked away yeah. but like um it, it's exciting just because we, we talked last week about the 5g and now we talk this week about it being expanded in terms of cable, making it more accessible to other companies. So if this is going the way it's going, then despite the whole net neutrality thing, I think we're poised to see a lot of smaller companies get set up in areas that are dominated by one or two uh, larger cable companies. And I think with that, you may actually start seeing competition because there are some communities where I'm pretty sure that if you offered literally any other person besides Comcast into the industry, people would switch. Yeah. If they could I would switch. Have, if they could have a comparable price and it'd be so it's going to be so interesting to see if companies do come out and say, Yeah, you know, we still abide by how net neutrality worked. Like there's no law in place that says you have to have fast lanes. There's just yeah. no law saying you can't now. So yeah. seeing other companies open up with that business model would be really interesting to see if people are willing to pay maybe a higher premium to get that. I think they mm -hmm. would. And it could work itself out kind of the same way that Unlimited Data did with T-Mobile. Um, a, a, a smaller company, and this may not even be a new company. This could just be, since this bill is passing, some of the ones, there's a bunch over in like the West Coast and Silicon Valley. Um and it would maybe enable those ones, the more successful of the smaller ones, to expand into new markets going east. And I think with that, um, it'll become much more viable to like 
have this competition, which would in a sense make net neutrality a feature of any of the good ISPs, kind of like how unlimited data is now a feature that they're quote bringing back just because the competition's doing it, you know, yeah. like maybe that will be something we'll see. Who knows? But um, I I'm excited for it. It's it's good news, and the fact that we're actually seeing like this actually happen is it, it makes me feel better about the internet and the fact that we may actually start seeing competition because um, I don't know about you guys, but I want it to be more like Europe where there's companies competing for gigabit that's like 30, 40 euros a month, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, you say you want it to be more like Europe on this topic. But at the same time, the next topic, I want it to be much less like <laughs> Europe. Right. It, the, their ISP services is, is like one thing that Europe does right. Um, something they don't do right is handle Android. <laughs> um, and because of this recent ruling from the EU, Android might not remain free for new companies. So, so this is going to go in the exact opposite direction. <laughs> what were you saying, Jeff? I was going to say, does this affect iOS as well under a similar reasoning? Or is it because Apple no. makes all their own phones? It doesn't matter. It's because Google offers... So Google offers Android for free to any company who's making a phone um, under the caveat that they bundle in the Google apps so that way they can get access to the Play Store. And because the Play Store is the most, is like the, the biggest way to get on Android, basically if you don't have a Play Store, you're not really competing at all. Um, it's considered antitrust because they're kind of forcing you. Force, yeah, and the reason the EU is raising this uh, um, uh, thing is that uh, Android has a huge market share in, in Europe. Um, in terms, mm -hmm. when you look at the numbers of the actual usage, so in the U.S. it's about fifty-fifty uh, for iOS versus Android, so it's pretty balanced. But in in Europe, it's seventy percent plus for Android, and the rest is iOS. So um, the the EU's argument is that Google is forcing people to use, since they have a majority of market share, they're forcing people to use Google services on their phones, um, on all on all Android phones that are being sold. Um, but I think removing those services or making those optional, right? So people would choose like when you when you turn on your phone, it's like, oh, what app store do you want to log? Like most people are gonna pick Google. The Amazon uh, app store. Yeah. No. Uh, the the Play Store, because the Google Play Store is what makes Android Android and useful to people, right? So the app store without the app store, the the Android phone is just a regular phone. Yeah. I don't understand the the logic behind by behind this. Well, it's the same exact decision essentially as the one made way back when Microsoft got in trouble with the EU for yeah. bundling Internet Explorer as the only choice. Right. So now, like, you have a choice or whatever, or yeah. you had to for a while, but now they're okay with it. I guess I don't know. Um, they just don't like companies using their market position to push a certain application or a service I mean, on always people. Done that, but i know yeah, but yeah. the eu has been uh very against companies doing that overall yeah i think i think the reason why ios hasn't gotten in trouble with the eu is because it's a closed ecosystem only apple can make it's basically right. apple just offers a product nobody right. else can make an ios phone yeah and i like it also it's the market share they they're not big enough to for the eu to care about in in, in the eu 
Yeah. Um, it would be one thing if the EU was more consistent instead of like randomly lashing out at large companies. No, I mean, no, it's not. I don't, I don't see how this is really like fair though, because if they're giving the companies Android to use, it's just weird that they're saying, well, you can't send apps with that. Like, all mm -hmm. right, then let the phone developers make their own operating system. See how that goes. Like, yeah, that's exactly the thing. Like, Sometimes that stuff is better relegated to the person that does it better, and that's Google. And do you think these companies care? Like, do you think that they're going to benefit from not getting, like, having to buy licensing for these Android and Google apps? There's, like, kind of like what we were saying earlier, there's no reason for them to enter the smartphone market if they can't take Google and use Android. Yeah. Because no one, everyone, people think of phones, they think of Apple and Android. Some of them think Apple and Samsung, but that's a different story entirely. But it's Apple and Android. They don't think Apple and and Windows. Yeah, like, like dude, who's this benefiting? That's what I'm wondering. Like, the, is this for the consumer's sake? So you don't have to use Google apps if you don't like them? Like, They're very, like, antitrust. And I think that it's just an, another antitrust thing. I don't know. It, it's It's meant to benefit the consumer, but I think this is going to severely hinder the industry. Just because Google is so far into Android that I think it's just, it makes more sense. And it's going to hurt the bottom line of smartphone developers. And I think phones are just going to get more expensive as a result of this because Google is going to charge for Android. Yeah. So, I don't know. But he says that um, he highlights the fact that a typical Android user will install around 50. This is from Sundar Pichai. Um, will install around 50 apps themselves and they can easily remove pre-installed apps. But if Google is prevented from building its own, which would update, it would upset the Android ecosystem. It's just... I, I can argue with that uh, last yeah. part. You can easily remove pre-installed apps. I don't know if you ever use a Samsung phone, but it's not easy to remove pre-installed apps. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's Samsung. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy to remove anything Samsung does. Yeah, but a lot of typical Android users are Samsung users. So, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the majority, right? No, most people aren't running Pixel devices. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, unless that becomes a thing, which I think they were talking about that becoming a thing, like forcing apps to be able to be in, uninstalled from the Play Store. I think that's something that they were planning on doing. Wouldn't it be so backwards, though, if this led to more sales in Google devices because people wanted those apps and they don't have to license their own apps? <laughs> Maybe. I could see that. Yeah, that would be something they could do. But I don't know. Either way, like it, I think it harms the consumer in the end. Yeah, me too. That's why I don't understand who this is benefiting. Yeah, I don't know. Does it just make think, lawmakers look like they care when really they're hurting? I don't know. I I don't know. I have no idea. But it's they're like they're warning that the business model will change as a result of this, and um. Now it's going to be a licensing issue now with smartphone developers. And I think that we're going to see fewer companies, especially out of the rapidly growing Chinese market, if this happens also. Um, I think that's going to, I think it just hinders competition. I don't know how good this is going to be. And the EU has always done this. And I think they're always going to do this. But uh, Google is now the latest target of this whole push. I mean, they did it with Microsoft. They did it with a few. But I think Google, there, there, I think there was a, a table in this article or maybe it was a different one i was looking at where i think this is the heaviest fine i think it was like 4.5 billion yeah yeah it's around 5 billion yeah it's a big number eu hasn't been a big fan of google overall um 
no. um, for a long time. Um, and it's mainly because of their market share inside of the EU. Um, mm -hmm. it's, that's what bothers uh, them. So European lawmakers care, really care about the, the overall market share. And, and Google in Europe is dominant like crazy. They're, they're, for search, I think their usage is around 90%. Yeah. Um, in the US, it's around 70. So it's lower. So it's not big. I mean, it's still huge. But in Europe, it's it, everybody just uses Google and that that concerns lawmakers because they have so much power from that. That's what they're trying to reduce is the amount of power. So like, OK, Google can't force people to use the Google Google search on, on Android phones um, and also the Play Store. That's How much what, do you that's what their concern is to reduce the power of Google. But I think in the long term, this will hurt everyone. Like, yeah, let's, like, let's walk that statement back a second to where you said 70 percent in the U.S. Does that mean 30 percent of people who live in the U.S. use Bing or Ask Jeeves? I think is the Ask Jeeves. Oh I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, my okay. God. I was like, it's like Yahoo on. and Ask Jeeves are gone, right? Like <laughs> those websites are dusted over. Yeah, I was just like, like, that is an. Are they using the Wayback Machine to use that for old like '90s web pages? Like, <laughs> what is happening? Okay, but yeah, either way, that that maybe that's what's wrong with this country: the fact that 30% of our country is using Bing to search for stuff. Either that, or it's just. I wonder how much of that actually is the fact that companies are using like IE still, and Bing is probably the only search platform on there, and a lot of people don't know how to change it. Like, I wonder if that's a driving factor. So I'm looking at the latest numbers, 87% um, right now in the U.S. for search market. The search engine market is Google. Okay. It's way higher than I thought. And then Bing is the second one. And then there's Yahoo. And then the, there's DuckDuckGo and MSN at the bottom. <laughs> DuckDuckGo is a good one. I've used that every once in a while, but I always forget it's there. <laughs> yeah, MSN. But worldwide, it's 90%. And if you go to Europe... It's 91. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a decent share. That's pretty good. But um, I don't know. There's the end of this article kind of alleges that it, it like, I mean, they're going to fight this in court. So I don't think we're done hearing from this just yet. But um, they're saying it could mean the company could consider licensing. It's an unlikely scenario that relies on consumers not seeking out Chrome or Google search on Android, even after the unbundling. Um, given their dominance in search in browsers, it may could it could very well just be a bluff to court popular opinion rather than a genuine threat um so it's going to be one of those things that we're going to have to wait and see as the courts battle it out so i don't know exactly where this is going to end up in a year from now but um i will be sure that we'll report on it so <laughs> i just looked it up ask.com still has a market share of 0.31 percent that's a lot of people yeah that's, that's that like global? all that's all their employees that's global. <laughs> that is global. That's all their employees. That's like the user. That's like the user base of WinRAR. It's like just all their employees, who and people who have downloaded it illegally. Because I don't know anybody who's bought WinRAR. <laughs> but that's a whole different thing in itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, something we should be talking about more importantly is unicorns. I think that's a, a more important issue right now. Far, quick, farting, farting, yeah, unicorns. farting unicorns. Before we jump um, into it, Matt. Before I just want to clarify that the fine was four point three billion euros and around five million U.S. dollars. Okay, yeah, that's a little bit bigger. Yeah, but 
That's carry, a lot of money. Carry on with the more, more important topic. Sorry. This is this is critical. <laughs> we have breaking news. Um, Elon Musk has settled with the artist in the farting unicorn debacle. Um, <laughs> so, Evan, you want to you want to go into this one just a little bit? Mm-hmm. I feel like no, I, right? I, I don't know as much as All I right, well, you would okay. you would assume. <laughs> I, I I honestly haven't been keeping up with this. Yes. So, Elon Musk had ripped off of a drawing featured on a mug which is of a farting unicorn and um he had used it to advertise his the car range of his of the tesla vehicles and um he had the guy who had originally done this people had like clapped back with him on twitter and said that don't you think the artist deserves to be paid for their work because he just kind of blatantly ripped the imagery off of um off of this coffee mug that this person had designed and um we all know that uh elon musk has been at the center of a lot of controversy lately um he's been kind of he's it's it's almost like he's been pulling like a kanye type thing where he just like has a moment where he just kind of goes crazy on the internet every once in a while um he was referring to the british man in thai cave rescue as a pedo which we talked about last week he was um he's like randomly lashing out with random kindness like i think just recently he donated like 37 million to uh was it nevada or something for schools and he's like promised to help the flint issue but now he's reached an agreement with the farting unicorns so um they have reached out and they said that everybody's happy so it seems like that both sides were compensated appropriately and elon musk had been joking earlier which is kind of brazen to do for someone who stole someone's creative work um he was joking, saying that um, he was saying that it has probably done nothing but help sales of his coffee mug. Yeah, if anything, which is probably true, but that usually should come with compensation anyway. On top of that, um, but they were saying that after that he enjoyed a surge in sales, um, which featured a unicorn farting electricity into a car. <laughs> yeah, and it was apparently used on a sketchpad in a hidden feature. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm reading. I I sort of missed. The, I I I saw this fly through, but I didn't really care enough to sort of look into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, so this there, is important. How could you yeah, have missed? I know, it? No, I know, but like when it was coming through, like oh, it's farting unicorns. Who cares? Um. Yeah. So there, yeah, there's a sketch. <laughs> so, all right. So just the background. There's a sketchpad feature on on all Tesla vehicles. It's a it's a, a Easter egg. Uh, where it opens up a, a white paper uh, sheet, and then you can uh, draw anything. And there's buttons there. There's a clear button, and then send to Tesla button. When you send to Tesla, it actually goes to Tesla. You get a submission. And sometimes Elon tweets these photos out uh, that people submit that they draw in, the, in their Teslas. And this was one of the drawings, and he just posted it on Twitter um, that this someone made this on Sketchpad, and it's anonymous, so he, they don't like Tesla doesn't know who submits these. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's not on purpose. Um, but um, I don't think Elon knew that this was an existing image that perhaps someone copied in the sketchpad and then submitted. So it's like kind of weird. It's like a fringe just, thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, what if someone had submitted like the Mona Lisa through here, or like an actual? I think I, I, like, I, well, I think no. people have actually. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> like Da Vinci would something... rise from his grave and emerge in his flying machine and wreak havoc on the world. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. 
but I think the difference with this is that it was used to promote the car. It wasn't necessarily, which like, you could argue both ways. Yeah, how, like yeah, it was a tweet by Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, pretty much what he says is a promotion for his vehicles. Yeah, yeah. That kind of gets into a much deeper issue of like, what is a promotion and like, what is fair use? Like, did he, was there something in the privacy policy of the sketchpad saying like anything you submit is Tesla property? Yeah, but or what is that, that assumption? If the person who submitted it wasn't the person who designed the mug, then does it matter? And yeah. Then, like, yeah, shit. then that person should have to pay. And Elon tweets about it and posts the picture, says, we got sent this, not knowing any better that there's a mug out there with this. Ah, okay. All right. Got it. So this goes further than that. So I'm reading. um, We're learning as we go live. As we go live. So it's not just a tweet, right? So uh, it was actually used, which I didn't know this. It was used in Tesla's, at this picture, after it was posted on Twitter, was used in Tesla's operating system as a small icon. And then the company also used it as a Christmas message. So this is where the 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 um, sort of lawsuit and, and sort of compensation, right? So the guy wanted to be compensated for his use of the art. Uh, okay, now it makes more sense. If it's just it was, a random tweet. It was, was used to art. promote the sketchpad. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes more sense. Got it. Yeah. Not yeah. used in the sketchpad. Right, yeah. Clarification. Here we go. Everybody's learning live as we do this. Yep. This is the point of the tech show. See, we have the evidence to look for it. We don't have to go to a Facebook group to get our information. That's true. We can get yeah. these articles, which are hopefully true. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully people would fact check us also. But yeah. um, either way, that's what the review system is for if we're mm-hmm. screwing up. But um, I think that's a good clarification, though. Um, it did boost the sales, but it looks like this person now was complicated or compensated, not there complicated, both. compensated for it. Um, saying, and he was also saying that um, electric cars are good for the environment because electricity comes from magic. I so, saw that too. But yeah, so everything worked out in the end. The unicorns are still farting electricity, <coughs> but now people are getting paid for those farts. So, <laughs> as they should be. It's a great picture, but as they should. Yeah, it's, it's a good picture. Let me it, scroll, scroll back up to it. There's a funnel that goes into a car, and it, yeah, I wish my car was powered by part. You know, I mean, it is technically. <laughs> it is pretty much. I would have to say. Isn't that what electricity is? Edison harness oh, the unicorn. Okay. Tesla. Yeah. Learn something yeah. new every day. Yeah. Well, you sent that video earlier in the week about what it's like to be a Tesla owner, and <laughs> that is. Probably one of the funniest videos I've seen in a long time, and I'm probably going to tweet that out on the I4O page. Just so any of our listeners who are hearing about this can see it. Um, so keep an eye on Twitter shortly after this show. Can we maybe is done. can we maybe shoot up that Zuckerberg meme too? Yeah, we could. Yeah, we could totally do that. When you're walking um, away and you hear someone say zero one one zero one zero one one zero Yeah, I'll tweet that stuff out after um after the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, no, if you want to look out, I uh, I don't, we haven't talked about this, Matt, but I, I sort of want to promote to uh, iFaro will be live on the scene at a certain uh, Elon oh, Musk related yeah. event August 4th. So look out for Ooh. some pictures and videos from that. Yeah, me uh, and come, Irvin are, very soon. Me and Irvin are going to the Boring Company event in DC for the launch of their Not a Flamethrower. 
<laughs> so and there will there will be pictures and videos coming. I will do my best to live tweet from the event. We Let's may go. or may not have purchased one as a group. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, maybe maybe keep an eye out on the YouTube channel for a video demonstrating the flamethrower. Okay. So I, I'm excited for that. <laughs> Please don't get injured. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I don't know either, but I'm excited. But either way, we'll we'll get to that when the time comes. That's August fourth, um, is the date of that event. Nice. So, yeah, um, yeah. I wish we can get the whole crew there, but it's a plus one event, which is unfortunate. But either way, um, I think that brings about the end of the episode. Actually, just in time for the end. Um, but yeah, so just to wrap things up, if unless you guys have any closing statements you'd like to make, um, okay. So if you guys liked what you're hearing, then you guys can check us out on a lot of platforms. Um, we are available on Podbean at industry40.podbean.com. We're available on Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify, as well as Stitcher for any podcatcher app as well as pretty much anything. I think we are available everywhere now. Like I can't think of anything that we're not on. So anything. <laughs> <laughs> so feel free to check us out there if you want. Um, we record this weekly on Sundays whenever we can. If not, we try to post updates on one of our social media platforms, typically Twitter or Facebook, um, to let people know what's going on. Um, if you are listening after the fact like i said any one of those platforms including i have i have the spotify page up on the stream right now um i still can't get enough of that um and if you want to catch up with us on social media you can check us out on twitter facebook and twitch as well twitch is essentially social media right so you yeah. can check us out there on or at industry 4.0 all spelled out um but yeah um if you like what you hear feel free to leave us a review it really helps us um, we'll give you a shout on the show if we get one and it helps us know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And we just like being able to communicate with our listeners. So we've had some good Facebook discussions, so I'd like to have some more of those, but, um, but yeah, with that being said, this is episode 60 and we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.